Welcome to Future of Journalism, a podcast from the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. I'm Gretel Kahn, one of the members of the Institute's editorial team. In this episode, we'll explore our latest report on how news organizations around the world are adapting their working practices to external changes and internal dynamics. With insights from more than 135 senior industry leaders from 40 countries, our report aims to answer questions impacting news from today, ranging from flexible working to diversity and inclusion to the impact of generative AI. Joining us today at Federica Cherubini, Director of Leadership Development at the Reuters Institute, and Rama Sharma, an award-winning media leader and executive coach and a regular speaker at the leadership courses at the Reuters Institute. Federica and Rama are the authors of the 2023 Changing Newsrooms Report, our annual report taking stock of the status of the newsroom as a workplace and its future. Uh, thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Greta. Thank you. So, Federica, I'll start with you. Uh, as people listening might know, 2023 has been a breakout year when it comes to generative AI with many industries, including journalism, wondering the best practices on how to deal with the new technology. In your research, how are newsroom leaders thinking about generative AI and does it present a challenge or an opportunity for them? Yeah, um, so we asked um, the newsroom leaders um, what kind of impact generative AI will have on roles and responsibility in the newsrooms. So we stayed quite specific um, on on that kind of working practices more than looking generally at content, um, and so that's so like as a context that's and that's what we asked. Um, but interestingly, um, the overwhelming majority, like seventy four percent of the newsroom leader who participated in our survey, thinks that generative AI will help them do some things more efficiently. But the fundamental, like the essence of what journalism is and what they do want to really change. And it's only 21% who thought the generative AI will transform workflows and processes, really fundamentally changing every role in the newsroom. And just a, a very 2% um, thought the generative AI will not change news work. Um, and um, so it's just a, a very small percentage thinking no change at all. But the majority thinks yes, um, and that comes through also in some of the comments we got. Um, of course, you know, generative AI will help on um, workflows, it free up time for journalists to do more actual journalists. But the essence of um, what is done won't change. That's what um, newsroom leaders seems to think. Seems to think. And to what extent are practical guidelines or training programs being implemented by news publishers to guide their staff through the implementation of AI? Yeah, so um, we've asked that question specifically, um, and um, we sort of divided in asking of a few different options and asking newsroom leader if they had um, that thing specifically already in place, if they were working on it if they were considering it but not having done yet or if they did or not really considering it. And so the 29% uh, of people um, in, in our survey said that they have already in place high-level principle on how their news organization would plan to use generative AI. But um, when it comes to actually having detailed guideline on how to use it in different um, circumstances, 
um, only 16% has that already in place, but 35% is um, working on it. Um, it's much lower the number uh, when we look at um, having a designated person to lead all editorial aspects of, of generative AI, like someone who has it formally in, in their job description, that's only 16% who already have that in place. Um, and still only 24% is actually working on it. Um, whereas the majority is either not considering it um, or, or considering it, um, but not having done it yet. Um, so the bit more sort of like delay in, in that. Um, and when we look at having training programs in place to educate staff about opportunities and dangers of generative AI, only 9% already have in place a program, um, whereas 40% is considering it, but actually not get it done um, yet. Moving on to remote work, or I guess how you guys call it in the report, hybrid working. And there's actually a very interesting portion of the report discussing the terminology of hybrid and flexible working. But uh, your series of report has tracked the evolution of flexible and hybrid working models since the COVID-19 pandemic. While the pandemic is now over, the latest report finds that two-thirds of newsroom leaders who took part in our survey said that their organizations have implemented flexible and hybrid working models with new rules in place for staff. What has been the impact of flexible working models on productivity? Absolutely. Um, first, as you said, um, we've looked at um, hybrid and flexible working um, for a few years now. Of course, when we started a changing newsroom report was 2020. So pure pandemic and everyone had moved everyone working remote. So the focus was more on remote. And it's interesting because this year, while we were reading also other literature from other industries on how they're thinking about this, it feels like um, we've almost kind of, I don't want to say move on from hybrid, but like really the focus, it seems to be much more on flexibility. Um, whereas we talk a lot about hybrid working before, and it seems that now we really talk about flexible working. And so we were curious to see actually how flexible. Um, and it seems, as you said, that the more common approach is that some level of flexibility um, in which newsroom and settle on. Um, but again, interestingly, while 30% said that the staff are required to be in the office some fixed days per week and the company is actually enforcing the rule and making sure it's respected, 22% that yes, there are rules in place um, that require people to be in the office a few fixed days per week, but actually no one is really checking if that's happening. Um, so I think the news organization seems to have settled to some degree of, of, of flexibility uh, in, in, their, in their working lives. And now on to productivity, as you ask. Um, interestingly, there's been a lot of talk in the past. Also, we look at that in the past year about the effects um, that um, the hybrid and flexible working was having on productivity. Does it enhance it? Does it hinder it? Um, and when you again read our report from other industries, there is a lot of talk about productivity paranoia, kind of bosses wanting to make sure that they have a way to check if their staff is working, which kind of leads to a productivity theater where people like seems busy and it was interesting to read from other report from outside the news industry that um, a lot of newsroom, sorry, a lot of leaders in generally seems to be focusing on tracking this productivity with visibility and activity metrics. Um, so I was kind of interested in really thinking about how the news industry is looking at this. And um, 
kind of like in, in line with um, what we found the past years, many of our survey respondents do not actually think that um, flexible working has had much of an effect. 48% said that productivity is neither increased or decreased as a result of the shift to hybrid and flexible working. Uh, and a quarter, 26%, think has increased, um, while 19% said has decreased productivity. So it's quite still unclear um, if there isn't like a clear view in terms of what's the impact on, on productivity. Um, what is interesting, though, uh, because I was reading these uh, reports from other industries, about um, you know what kind of metrics we use to track productivity, we were interested in seeing if um, because we're shifting the ways we're working, organizing our work, if we were also shifting the way we measure it. And so we asked um, if um, newsroom leader thought that their organization was putting some effort, a lot of effort, no effort in actually measuring productivity. And that's, I think, the data point is really interesting from the survey because nearly half, 46%, said that their organization makes either a small effort to measure productivity or no effort at all. So, and then we added an open-ended question in the survey asking leaders whether their organization and teams had changed the way, the way to measure productivity as a result of this, you know, shift to more flexible working. And if yes, how? And actually, we didn't really get um, answers that were significant and didn't big significant changes. And we got a couple of examples, but more from team, not in editorial. Um, so I think this is something we will um, want to keep an eye on going forward. Um, it seems to be a bit of disconnect um, of are we actually putting effort in measuring productivity and how we're thinking about it. Um, but it's going to be curious to see what comes up in the future years. And alongside uh, flexible working models, uh, you guys have also been tr been tracking since 2020 from the Changing Newsrooms report, uh, the role of diversity and how to grow diversity in news organizations and whatnot. And Federica, in 2023, what role has flexible working models played in hiring practices for both finding and retaining diverse talent? So, yeah, um, Last year um, report, sort of like where we started um, from, um, highlighted how hybrid and flexible working had a positive impact on hiring, not specifically diverse talent, but generally a positive impact on hiring, but made retention uh, much harder due to sort of like increased difficulties in really establishing a relationship with new hires and developing a strength of belonging um, to the organization. So this year we split the question in two and we asked newsroom leader um, both specifically about what kind of impact hybrid working made on hiring and specifically separately on retention, whereas last year was just one question. And so interestingly, 52% of newsroom leaders in the survey report that hybrid and flexible working has made recruitment much easier. Um, while 28% said it hasn't changed anything. But when we look at retaining talent, um, Forty-three percent said that um, it made retention much or somewhat easier, um, and twenty-nine percent said it hasn't changed anything. Um, then, of course, um, you know we look, as you said, and what's the impact on specifically hiring and retaining diverse talent. And again, from last year's survey, there was um, sort of like a promise of how an increased geographical flexibility, for example. 
in relation to where to hire talent, for example, being able to hire outside big metropolitan cities where often headquarters of big national organizational organizations are based, for example, where the cost of life is higher. Could that have an impact on, on hiring um, a more diverse talent? And so last year, there was a sort of a promise of a positive impact, but we weren't able to make any direct connection. And I think I would say like this year's results show a similar sort of like hope um, of 57% saying that they agree with the statement that hybrid and flexible working can increase our ability to hire diverse talent and have a positive impact on diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy. Um, and we got a few comments from people really putting an, an, you know, uh, a spotlight on the fact that um, a, 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 an increased flexibility can help those who have caring responsibility, um, for example, whether it's children or like different caring responsibilities. And so we can see a lot of um, promise to this and, and, and newsroom leader seems to be um, hopeful about it, um, but I still don't think we have a definite link between the two, um, although we have quite um, good examples um, in the report of how some of newsroom leaders are thinking about it. Rama, let's hand off the mic off to you now. Of the survey participants, 43% said that their organization has a systemic and articulated strategy for diversifying talent acquisition, but not so much for planning and commissioning stories. What do you make of that? Yes, I think it's really interesting that, you know, we've been having this diversity conversation for so long and it's still a conversation about talent. Um, of course, it helps if you have a diverse workforce that will then invariably bring in, um, you know, new ideas and new perspectives. But uh, from the last, from the several years of having um, been studying diversity and also having had experience in newsrooms, without um, the reward, without the strategies, without the structures that allow for diversity to flourish, um, there is a question of how how much it actually will matter, and and I think that's playing out in the data as well. You know, the the figure's quite low. Only thirty seven percent of leaders say they're thinking about diversity in terms of production, and thirty six percent of uh, leaders are saying they're thinking about it in terms of commissioning. So, I think this is um, a real place, a real point to think about, um, which is when we're talking about diversity and inclusion. Are we still, is it still a HR issue or, or is it an, an editorial issue? And given the, you know, given the news stories of the moment, given the global and complex nature of the news stories of the moment, um, diversity in terms of editorial seems to be absolutely crucial. Um, so, you know, it'd be interesting to see if this improves over, over coming years. Um, there are exceptions, of course, to organizations who see, do see this as um, an opportunity. Um, the Globe and Mail in Canada and the Bureau of Investigative Journalism here in the UK are really thinking about diversity, not just in terms of talent, but also um, in terms of their editorial. And uh, let me just share some of their um, ideas with you. So, for example, the Global Mail has is is conscious that it's going back to the same sources. So they now have a very strict audit on on making sure that the sources they uh, speak to are always different and diverse. Even who they commission as freelance talent, 
they make sure they have a 30% budget to make sure that they actually commission voices that haven't been heard before. Um, they do pop-up bureaus in underrepresented areas to get stories that um, haven't been heard before as well. Lots of ongoing training around sort of people's biases um, and empathy coaches present in the newsroom. Uh, there's extra regional pages to improve the geographical uh, coverage. So there's, you know, all this uh, incentive to really make sure that they're not just thinking about who they have in the in the bureau, um, but they're also thinking about ways of working to make sure um, diversity is, is coming through in actual, in their journalism. And similarly, the Bureau of Investigative Journalism is um, establishing some sort of DEI-related KPIs. Um, so again, not just about num numbers and who who's um, in the room. They're also thinking more about hiring on potential, not trying to find this perfect candidate that somehow can do it all, but can bring something new. And that's, that, that's really valuable. Um, they're writing fellowships for underrepresented groups and also doing some pilots with uh, communities. So that just some of the things that two organizations do, there may be others, but largely we found that um, the focus tends to be on talent acquisition. In the survey results, there's also a distinction between perceived success in gender diversity and lower numbers for political disability and ethnic diversity. Starting with gender, how can we read these perceived success? Uh, when it comes to the survey results? So it's really interesting because the data is showing like great success in terms of gender, right? Um, whereas if the data that we've done here at the Reuters Institute is saying actually there isn't um, a major improvement, particularly in leadership positions when it comes to gender. So there is this curiosity of people are perceiving better gender uh, representation, but actually it's not really playing out um, when we look at leadership roles. Now, of course, can't always make direct comparisons, but there is a sort of sense of like perhaps there's more visibility and more women are talking about this or there are more possibly more campaigns. There may be few, you know, a few appointments that seem um, uh, to be an improvement in Pacific organizations. But generally speaking, um, you know, the research, the wider research is not showing huge amounts of difference though people are feeling that their gender representation is much better um, than it has been um, in previous years. And what about the other types of diversity and representation numbers, including political, disability, ethnic, etc.? So 57% of our respondents said they can't find the talent. Um, now, this is really, really curious because when we do our interviews, um, depending on who we interview, of course, there are a number of leaders that are saying, well, actually, you can't find the talent if you're looking for this perfect unicorn type person who can tick every single box. But if you are prepared to find people um, and, you know, occasionally that might be on hiring on potential or it might be seeing what they can bring that others cannot bring, um, then actually won't be difficult to um, hire for or find the talent. Um, and then there's also some questions from our interviews that are saying, well, actually, how committed are we to looking for diverse talent? How how much do does it really matter to the organization? Um, so some of our figures also showed that there is still, you know, 17% of people are still not sure why we should do diversity. Um, so there's a bit about commitment. You know, how, how how much effort is actually being made to look for that talent? And if if and if so, 
when when it's not perfect, are we still taking chances? Rama, the report has been going on for three years now. What changes have you seen reflected throughout the past three years when it comes to diversity in newsrooms? So, as you'll remember, in 2020, there was the big push post the George Floyd murder. There was a lot of announcements, a lot of initiatives, a lot of campaigns. It's really interesting speaking to a number of leaders for this report as there's questions about, well, what's been the result? Um, what's what's actually changed? Uh, where are these initiatives? Where has the money been spent? There are these questions that are now being raised. Um, and so there does feel like there's a bit of a slowing down. I mean, of course, we're in a different world now. We're post-pandemic. There's wars, um, cost of living crises. You know, we're in a, a different place. Um, but some are saying, well, maybe those are just excuses. Uh, you know, if you know diversity, you could argue is even more important um, in these situate in, in the current climate. Uh, so there feels like there is a, a slowing down. And as I mentioned before, there are also these these green shoots where organisations are realising actually we've got to do things differently. Um, to share another example um, is a, a grassroots organisation based in India called Kabbalaria, and it's, it kind of speaks to the talent piece that we were talking about before as well, which is um, an organisation that you know was created to um, speak to the marginalised and underrepresented groups. And they um, became extraordinarily successful that now the the mainstream organizations in India are wanting their content and wanting their talent. Um, and they did that by starting off as sort of a training provision first and then morphing into um, a sort of journalistic uh, outfit. And, and they continue to make sure that training is a big part of their organization. So they are showing that um, you can really uh, get into the grassroots, understand what's happening on the ground, create good journalism, and that would actually benefits the wider ecosystem as well. Um, so, you know, perhaps now we'll see more of that kind of innovation going forward. Um, and finally, Federica, as we enter into 2024, what trends or developments do you anticipate shaping the future of news organizations and their working practices? I think there are a few open questions um, here. And um, interestingly, I, I sort of see a theme, even if we look at the three different issues that we cover in the report, um, hybrid or whatever we're going to call it, flexible working, um, AI and, and approaches to diversity. I think um, it's sort of like a, seems once more like a bit of a pivotal moment um, for the news industry where we can really decide um, what kind of approach um, are we are we taking um, and we sort of like the industry seems to be often a bit more reactive than proactive in handling some of these issues now of course it's a lot of um, how it's built into the uh, news DNA of being proactive and reactive, you know, breaking news and, and finding always moving forward to what coming, what's what's happening now and what's going to come uh, next and not much time to sort of like stop and thinking about and evaluating how we're doing thing, um, things. And I think that sort of come through, um, that's a bit of my, you know, personal view of what are the findings of, of the report 
um, take hybrid working, like we've settled on some flexibility. Some are measuring if it's happening. Some have a rule, but not really measuring it. But at the same time, a finding we have not mentioned is that some newsroom leaders are really worried again. We saw it last year and again this year about the sense of belonging that their employees are building towards their organization. So again, are we just settling on some sort of level of flexibility, which feels a bit more like a compromise sometimes? You know, yes, we recognize we have more flexibility, but we want you in in, in the office a few days. There is this like, worry about sense of belonging, but what are we going to do about it? How are we going to build um, that kind of focus on on the representation and inclusivity in an organization and makes people feel that they belong, they're a part of it, which of course comes through also in the diversity question, right? Um, again, as, as Brahma was saying, um, we see more initiatives um, than systematic approaches um, to solving uh, the problem or focusing just on talent um, another point of discussion we open in the report, and I think it's something that we should um, keep an eye on, is what kind of metrics we're using to defining this. Um, a lot of, especially when we look at diversity metrics, a lot of metrics are focusing on measuring headcount. Um, but that doesn't necessarily take fully into consideration intersectionality. Now, I know it's complex. Some countries around the world don't even allow you to track specific data um, about diversity for privacy reasons. So it is a very complex and, and complicated matter um, that moves quite quickly. But I think there is a sense of how fully systematic and articulated are we going to be in approaching this. And lastly, I think that comes through also when we look at AI. So we called the approach kind of like a cautious approach towards AI. And of course, I am not advocating for jumping in it without thinking about consequences. Of course, the stakes are high and we should absolutely do this in a responsible way. But um, again, the fact that 74% uh, of newsroom leader really thinks that yes, it will change a bit how we do things, but more in terms of like helping smooth some of the practices without really fundamentally uh, affecting the how we do the job, um, it seems a bit cautious when the world around us changes so fast. Um, so by all means, I'm not saying, you know, don't be cautious. Um, but again, I think it will help and it helps those kind of organizations who have, again, a full 360 approach. One of the examples we, we cited in the report on AI is Swedish Radio. Um, because I found that we found with Rama very interesting um, that um, they have one person in charge. Um, that person, person was a news commissioner. So it's an editorial person who works together with every other aspect of the business on really thinking about how we're going to leverage this, what do we want to preserve, um, but how do we going to use this at our advantage? So. I want to see what's happening in, you know, what's going to happen in, in the next year in terms of how much this news industry is going to be able to make the most of all of these different aspects and turn them into something that it's good for them and their audience uh, and, and their teams um, versus being a bit more um, reactive and first waiting to see what happens and then um, finding an approach. Um, I don't know, Rama, what do you think? What are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, 
I think on the AI point, I think there's just going to also be questions about how reliable the information is that's going to come back. Um, invariably, lenses and biases are going to be questions about, you know, how does that all play into uh, how the technology is made and produced and used? I think those are those are questions that are coming up with, you know, any kind of technology now. Um, equally, you know, sort of I'm thinking a lot about the sort of data and measurements and and even when we ask questions of around belonging and inclusion of 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 how they might differ depending on who you ask well i don't think any of these issues are going to go away anytime soon so i guess we'll see how they develop in the next year but thank you both federica and rama for joining us today thank you for having us thank you our guests today were Federica Cherubini, Director of Leadership Development at the Reuters Institute, and Rama Sharma, an award-winning media leader and executive coach. Federica and Rama are the authors of the 2023 Changing Newsrooms Report, our annual report taking stock of the status of the newsroom as a workplace and its future. Make sure to follow our podcast channel on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. And if you don't want to miss any news from the Institute, subscribe to our weekly newsletter by clicking the link on our X bio or on our homepage. Thank you for listening to Future of Journalism, a podcast from the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. I'm Gretel Kahn, one of the members of the Institute's editorial team. We'll be back soon.